Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. On 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, just like that, there it is. Six o'clock Tuesday. Feels like a dream, right? I mean, get out of here, cold weather. We get it. You spoke. We listened. Time to leave. Uh, this is Florida. Bring us back the heat. Bring us back the humidity. Get us ready uh, to crank in the 2023. Still a lot left to do, though, this year. And obviously, that includes Florida State. Big bowl game coming up on Thursday. The Cheez-It Bowl. All right. We'll have a report. On that coming up. And of course, Sunday is what? It is a meaningless football game. It's unbelievable. Week 17, game 16. Who would have ever thought that Jacksonville would play in a meaningless game that wasn't, oh, I don't know, meaningless because they were knocked out of the playoffs weeks ago? Like, it's been the case around here. For a number of years, uh-uh. I mean, you can win, you can lose, you can tie, you can rest starters, you can play them, you can do whatever you want. It just doesn't matter. Okay, I understand a win. Some of the other set of circumstances, um, if you do get it done in Houston and then you were to lose or tie against Tennessee, you need several other teams in the AFC uh, to lose, and then Jacksonville still could get in as a wild card team, but to me, that's irrelevant. This is simple. You're going to beat Tennessee in a couple of Sundays. Tennessee is reeling, okay? That is a terrible football team. That is one of the worst offenses in the NFL, and that's really saying something. You look around this league right now, and particularly with backup quarterbacks that are in, I mean, you look what's going on in Denver, you look what's going on in New England, certainly you look what's going on in New York. Uh, there is just really bad offense. Tampa? Tampa's terrible. My goodness, they look they look old and slow. It's amazing. I mean, what's happened to Mike Evans? What's happened to, um, you know, I know the offensive line, Josh Wells, obviously spent a number of years here. Uh, he went down as the backup left tackle, so they're working on their third LT, their second left guard. Uh, they have had injuries on the right side, but all of a sudden they look slow and old. On de- on defense, they look slow and friendly. So it's amazing how just like that, things can change in this game, speed always being the factor. The only advantage that Tennessee has, and let's just be honest about this, okay? They are going to get extra time to rest. Because of that game on Thursday night, Mike Vrabel has already come out and basically admitted the fact that you know, they've lost five in a row. They're certainly heading south, and I can't see a scenario anywhere where they beat Dallas on Thursday night. Even though Dallas all of a sudden is starting to give up some points, 
defensively, they're still completely electrifying on the offensive side. Yeah, they're nicked up, particularly in their backfield. Uh, when it look, you know, when you look at Pollard and you look at Elliott, still they're a better team. They're favored by ten points. Rabel's basically come out and said, yeah, if there are question marks, and there are several right now with that beaten up Tennessee Titans team, better off for them just to sit their players down and get ready for the game here you know, one week from Sunday. So that's the only advantage, and I do think that's worth something, especially if debatable guys get off. That'll mean they hadn't played football until this past weekend. So they're going to get two full weeks to get ready for that game with the Jaguars. But all of a sudden, they're not nearly what they were defensively, and it's still one of the better defensive clubs in the NFL. But as of late, they're not as potent as they once were, due in part because of injuries. And offensively, they can't do anything at all. They just cannot move the football. Even with the great Derrick Henry, it has just completely gotten away from the Tennessee Titans. So, as we always do here on Tuesday, even though it's a little different tonight because the game was Thursday, uh, we always invite your phone calls here on Tuesday. We allow the Jaguar fans to... Voice your opinion. I, I know that the uh, the success of that Thursday night win, the glory of that Thursday night win may have diminished a little bit after the Christmas holiday. Now you're, you know, looking forward to what's next for the Jaguars. So, you know, anything related to Jacksonville is good tonight. We have a couple of ways that you can join us. 641-1010 on the text line, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Also, 641-1010 we will be grabbing phone calls. All right, bad news for Jacksonville. Not a surprise, and obviously it came out while we were off during the weekend. But as you know, you know, Dewan Smoot now gone for the remainder of the year. That, that's a huge blow. He had really begun to take off during the second half of the season. He became much more than just a snap count guy. His role increased week after week after week, and I, I really believed, even though this football team has gone a couple of games without the rookie and Trayvon Walker, that there was going to be some more adjustments coming. And I envisioned a scenario where Walker got a little bit more burn inside, and you could go with both Arden Key or Dewan Smoot, one of the two playing on the outside opposite of Josh Allen. All of a sudden, that particular plan is, is gone. Uh, as we know. For the record, Trayvon Walker, I'm not playing him Sunday. Why risk it? You know, win or lose, it doesn't matter. And and that's the most asked question this week. Let's face it. Should you play these players? Um, if, if you're beaten up, okay, and in this league, guys are hurt a lot more than they will let on. Okay, it's because it's their livelihood. Look at all the criticism that Leonard Fournette has been receiving uh, in Tampa. And, you know, I guess yesterday he let it go and came out and blasted his critics on Twitter. Then he deleted the tweet. But, you know, basically what's being said there is I'm a hell of a lot more beaten up than you people know. There's a lot of guys like that in this league. A lot of guys who have too much pride to let even those who are closest to them know that they cannot go or they are not 100% for several reasons. I mean, they could be simply professional reasons. I don't want to lose my job. 
I don't want the guy behind me to get an opportunity, or I'm playing for my next contract, and I don't want to be labeled as a guy who is soft. I don't want to be labeled as a guy who is injury-prone. I mean, there's so much that comes into it. So this is where you want honesty from your players. And I'm saying this league-wide. I'm saying this for every team that's still in it in the playoffs. You want them to be honest with you, but you also have to make the proper decision because I think when push comes to shove these players are going to look at you they're going to shake their head and they're going to say I'm good I'm ready to go because that's the way they're wired and you know to get complete truthfulness from them as far as well you know I'd be better off not going this week I'd be twice as ready next week against Tennessee I think is way too far-fetched it's just my particular Opinion. So this becomes a big week here now for Doug Peterson, who it feels like he's got a really good relationship with these players. Uh, do you sit down, Travis Etienne? You know, 1,000 yards. He's been beaten up at times this year. He's got, what, 1,250 uh, yards from the line of scrimmage, two more games. All right, that gives him a shot at 1,500 yards for the year. That's a phenomenal number. I'm sure that he wants to accomplish more and more. Well, what is more important? Getting him 100% or as close as he can be a week from Sunday against Tennessee or keeping him fresh and giving him some reps this Sunday? Trevor Lawrence, okay? Trevor Lawrence, this offensive line now obviously has issues. Cam Robinson as well placed on the injured reserve uh, yesterday along with Dewan Smoot. No one out there is surprised that this has happened for Robinson. But all of a sudden, now you have Walker Little on the left side. You have Juwan Taylor on the right side, who's been playing through a nagging uh, hamstring. Are you going to just ask yourself, do you play Juwan Taylor this weekend? Do you risk that hamstring with an opportunity to, uh, you know, to tweak it, to to nag it, to flat out re-injure it? Well, if you're not going to have your starting left tackle in and your starting right tackle in, I'm not going to put Trevor Lawrence out there. I'm not putting him out there with backup tackles. I'm sure Trevor wants to play. I'm sure he at least wants to give it a go in the first half. And say what you want about this offensive line. In the last two weeks against very good defensive teams, this football team has only allowed two sacks. They allowed a sack to uh, Quinn and Williams. Uh, or, uh, yeah, Quinton Williams of New York, who has, like, what, 12 on the year? The most for any interior defensive lineman, certainly this year with Aaron Donald being hurt. And then a couple of weeks ago, it was Micah Parsons who had the sack on that great stunt when he came down the the right side of the line, defensively looking at the line, the right side, or that would be his left side, Jaguars offensive right side, the stunt that went by Taylor and then went, went by Sheriff, and he... He cut in between the rookie Fortner and Sheriff and had the sack. He had, what, 12 pressures in the game, but Jackson was only allowed two sacks. And I, you know, I think in everything that we have witnessed here with the growth of this football team in the last couple of weeks, the pocket presence and the escapability of Trevor Lawrence has been absolutely fantastic. And there's been so much to brag about with Lawrence that I think that that one, again, has not been discussed nearly enough. Obviously, him tucking, running, finding the chains, 
picking up first downs, for the most part getting out of bounds. We remember that tough fumble um, a couple of weeks ago, and, and obviously Jacksonville found a way back, tied it, and won it uh, in overtime. But Trevor Lawrence as well, just having the sense to understand what is going on in the clock in his head to avoid the pressure that has been coming at him the last couple of weeks has really been a treat uh, to just watch. His overall game is just advancing on a week-to-week basis. So where are you with that? That's what I want to begin with tonight amongst everything else that's going on. I mean, do you? if Lawrence got hurt, the whole world, right here in Duval, because that's where the world sits today with what is happening with this football team, every single one of you would sound like this. Why in the hell are you playing Trevor Lawrence? It was a meaningless game. Why did they have him out there? The only thing that mattered was getting him ready for next week against Tennessee. So, and and by the way, I don't ever want this to happen, but it's a real question with a game on the line that frankly means nothing outside of that ridiculous nine-game losing streak to Houston, that would be nice to eliminate. And, you know, say what you want about this year's Jaguars team. But every streak that had been out there, they have snapped. They snapped the West Coast one. They snapped the NFC, uh, defeating an an NFC team uh, streak. They certainly snapped going into Tennessee, where they had lost eight in a row. You know, next up now is nine straight home and away against Houston, which is a football team that is playing better than it feels like. They're certainly better than a two-win team, and I do think that they will give Jacksonville some problems this weekend. So, with that said, what do you believe they should do? Let us know. 641-1010 on the text line. Again, we're going to take calls tonight. Same number. 641-1010. You can also get me on Twitter. That is Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U. 1010X out. We have a good Christmas over there, JJ. We had a good Christmas. We need to bench Trevor. <laughs> Sit him. Yeah. I don't need to see him this weekend. Yeah. I don't even want him in uniform. I need him in like the owner's box. I. But yes, Christmas was great. I kind of want him to go out there and break a sweat so he at least needs Aww. to take a shower. You know, what I, you know what I mean? Before he boards the plane. But yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. It's just... I'm sure he wants to play. I'm sure he wants to. Yeah, he wants to snap that nine-game losing streak. But it just—it doesn't feel like it should happen. This team now has been so healthy all season long, and the injury bug has now reared its ugly head the last couple of weeks. I mean, you were down two starters since what week three, week four. You lost Ben Barch early, and then you lost Shaq Griffin. He's never, it, it feels like he's never going to be able to come back and won't play again for the Jags. Now, all of a sudden, you lost two really key football players, your left tackle and a guy really involved in your defensive line with Dewan Smoot. But where are you with these important people? I'm not playing Trayvon Walker. He's not 100%. Travis Etienne, don't you kind of want to keep him on the sideline? I mean, Christian Kirk is basically one reception away from a thousand yards and and you know I have to imagine that is huge for him personally it's also huge for this football team when is the last time Jacksonville had 
a 3,000-yard passer, a 1,000-yard rusher, and a 1,000-yard receiver all in one season. Doug Peterson has never had a 1,000-yard receiver who wasn't a tight end, and that was Zach Ertz. So you have all of these personal things, and, and you know, that's great for them. I, I'm, I love numbers, and a personal achievement for these players are, are huge, but it's secondary to the ultimate goal. And that is to host a playoff game here in mid-January. And right now, that is what is up next. All right, opening comments tonight and each and every night. Brought to you by Schmunez Vision. What a great year 2023 is going to be. How are your eyes? All right? You only have one set of them. Maybe you're in the 80th row uh, for the Jaguars game coming up here. And you're squinting. You know, you're looking at the scoreboard. You're trying to figure out down in distance. You're trying to figure out what number. That was of the player who perhaps made a tackle or no matter what the situation may be, you only get one set of eyes. And Schmunez Vision, Dr. Neil Schmunez has been doing this for more than 37 years. Dr. Catherine Schmunez, fellowship trained in cornea, cataract surgery, all refractive surgery combined. That's more than 30 years worth of laser eye surgery. Set up an appointment today, 299-2906, 299 Zero six or visit schmunezvision.com. Out of the beach, fantastic place, family operation. All right, let's kick it off. Today, we're with you till eight. Tomorrow, we're with you three to six. Thursday, I have been officially suspended for one day to watch Florida State Oklahoma football. We will be back on Friday, however. So it's going to be a busy week around here. Tonight's about you, Duval, the fans of Jacksonville. 641-1010, your calls on the other side, as well as on the text line brought to you by Lifetime Enclosure. Same number, 641-1010. Are you playing Trevor Lawrence this weekend? Yes or no? That and other key Jaguars, that is what is on deck right here on Into the Night. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Happy to report we're still on the air after last night's conversation about the Phillips Highway stroll. <laughs> Somehow unavoided, uh, the message was not delivered. We live for another day. Or in this case, Into the Night, along with the incomparable J.J. Which, by the way, we LaSalva. have breaking news in the football world. Uh-oh. Let's send it out to our correspondent, the incomparable J.J. LaSalva. Thank you, sir. So, Ed Reed, who was, I guess, like the head of state at Miami, or I don't know. He ran exact- the mafia. Yeah, exactly. I mean, come on. Uh, was uh, helpful in getting Mario down there and all that. He is now taking over Bethune-Cookman as the head coach. So sort of like a Dion move, no coaching experience, going straight to a head coach at an HBCU. I'm happy. This is pretty damn cool. I got a team to cheer for that's not the Miami Hurricanes. Ed Reed looks 35, and then you put that beard on him, and he looks 75. But a very distinguished. Right, and he loves a CR with his blood brother, uh, Leon Searcy, our our brother here. Yep. Loves a cigar. I think he has his own brand. I believe so. He had a we did an interview on XL Primetime with Leon and Ed Reed together in a cigar yeah. uh I remember lounge. That was down there, right? Yeah, in Miami. 
That's a blow for the Canes. Yes, I guess. I'm not sure what he did. That's what I'm saying. I guess it's a blow, but uh, we have Mario. We have John Ruiz. Like, that was sort of the – he was in charge of the next hire, I guess, or he had a big say in it. Did his mm. job, moved on to coaching. I'm proud of him. I know he ran some things there, as often I get accused of being ahead of the uh, the 210 mafia here in town that – you know, I, I do provide protection uh, for a lot of those businesses up and down 210, which is growing like a zit. That entire part of Duval is on the cusp of exploding. It is unbelievable, okay? Durbin, Bartram, Racetrack, the other side of Phillips Highway, not where you get the Philly Highway stroll. I'm talking about up in the parts around, like, Bayard, right? Old St. Augustine which is not has no relationship to the 210 Mafia, and don't get confused by that. It's a totally separate borough. It's a totally separate So are you family. around the Woodpecker Barbecue place? Do I live by there? Yeah. Nah, not- I know right where it is. Okay. It's right across from— uh, But that's the general area? Where or I am live- I, like, totally confused by No, that? no, no. I live right off of Racetrack in Bartram. Okay. Well, not they close. just did the show from Island Wings, which Haven't is there. there. Yeah. It's, it's growing. Now, the place you're talking about is like, I think that's Orangedale or... or yes, or, yes, yes, Orangedale, exactly. It's, uh, you got like George's Liquor Store across the you street. Yeah, a place called Weed Man. Weed Man. Yes. There was a movie that I, I, I'm telling you, this is the God's honest truth. I love looking for bad movies, you know, late at night, and I multitask, you know, I'm reading or doing, but I, all of a sudden I'm, I'm watching this movie and it's about like a... And I'm like, well, this looks a little familiar. This looks a little familiar. Then all of a sudden I look up, and they're driving right by Weedman's. What okay? was the movie? I, it's called, like, uh, something woman. And, like, this guy, he steals two women, and he chains them up and, like, makes them into sex slaves. Oh, my goodness. But the movie, a lot of it is, is filmed at UNF. Oh, so it's a newer film. Right. It's called The A.V. Club. Is that what it was called? No, I don't think so. I think it was called Something Women. Okay. But but, but I'm watching here, and they're driving right by Weedman's. You could see a little bit of woodpeckers. And the next thing you know, they're going over that little bridge there that takes you over to uh, Green Cove. Yeah. Right? And there you have it. So I I don't know if it's been nominated for a Golden, Golden Globe or... Any of that type of stuff. Uh, 40, 40.06 is blue. You kidding me? You just keep going the way you're going. Don't worry about injuries. Don't worry about anything. Damn the torpedoes. Full speed ahead. Don't change a thing. And then it says here, Hall of Fame 81? We have a Hall of Famer just out of the blue telling us to jam things up? Let's look at the Hall of Fame class from 1981 and see if we can identify who, in fact, this is. Better yet, let me give out his phone number. 90. No, let's grab a couple of calls. Let's do that. 6401-1010. Allen goes into the night. Welcome. Hey, Rick. Thank Hi. you for having me on the show. Yes. I have been a season ticket holder since day one. I'm flying to Houston Sunday morning. Ooh. I want them to play everybody that can play. Okay. I want to win that game and shove it in Houston's face and then come back and knock Tennessee out and then take that wild card game and go on. Okay. 
Um, I, I think most would agree with that because there is there is fan importance to getting this streak over with against Houston. And we lost uh, Alan. I I do appreciate it, man. Uh, you back there, Alan? Yeah. All right. Finish your thought. Good. I don't think we should overlook Tennessee. I think we should just play like we've been playing. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I um, and and this is why these guys get paid a lot of money to make tough decisions because th- this is a classic. Okay. If someone does get hurt, I don't care where you are, who you're watching it with, or what the situation is, people are absolutely going to second guess if you play a guy and he goes down on Sunday. That's coming. And these guys want to play. They do want to play. But to me, that's going to be a very interesting decision. I do feel for anyone going to that game and, you know, if they do decide to sit Trevor and company, that would suck. Yeah, it, it, but it's part of the it deal. Would. I mean, like when you buy those tickets, what if Trevor actually got hurt against the Lions? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not getting your money back. Mm-mm. Yeah, I mean, you saw how I felt there, and I went off there. I thought it was an awful decision to bring to him, him back, back in. in. Yeah, you know, Doug Peterson is pushed almost all the right buttons uh, this year, but there have been a couple of mistakes. I thought that one with with Trevor Lawrence was a major mistake. Uh, let's go to Drew, who is next up. He goes into the night with Rick Ballou. How you doing tonight, Drew? Hey, I'm great, Rick. First Good. time, long time. Love your show, man. Thank you, Drew. Um, so, uh, I think you absolutely play them um, for nothing else than, you know, injuries, as you know. I mean, they're going to happen either way. I think if, if they don't play them, it comes off a little bit like, coaching kind of scared i mean look at what happened a couple weeks ago with kyler murray three plays in guys out um but i trust that doug has the pulse of the team and he's gonna know what to do uh but that's my that's my take on it i think momentum is absolutely a very real thing and this team's got it right now and you just kind of you know you don't want to don't want to mess with the sauce too much uh so to speak so that's my take on it you know what I appreciate the call and and you make a really good point i mean this team was what 2 and 6 now they've won 5 of 7 they've won 3 in a row if you call off the dogs you sit down some important people and you lose this game to houston does that spoil you know this this effect that it, it continues to brew in this city where all of a sudden this is becoming for starters an incredibly fun team to watch i mean win or lose this is an exciting brand of football that we are witnessing particularly on the offensive side and you know defensively man these guys have 24 takeaways i mean that's fourth in the nfl last year they had nine and we just let that one settle in for one moment and Mike Caldwell's defense has has been absolutely criticized for a number of different issues. And, and I happen to be one of those, I know everything's good right now, we're all happy, but I'm one of those who still wonders, is he the right guy for this job? Is he the defense? There is no questioning what's going on with this offense. Okay, the offensive coaching staff, everything that is there is working. The defensive coaching staff, I do have some reservations. I wonder if Mike Caldwell 
as a first-time defensive coordinator, hasn't done all of the right things to better this team, all right? And he's working with the parts that he has. And I also think it's fair that if you grab Mike Caldwell one-on-one and had an off-the-record with him and, you know, let's begin with Trayvon Walker. How should you use him? What's Mike Caldwell's opinion? It's still Doug Peterson who is going to have the final say. He's going to allow him to run his defense, but we saw it from day one. You know, when they brought Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen, they had him working with the outside linebacker coach, Bill Shuey. I remember coming on the air that night. I was absolutely furious. I couldn't believe it. I was like, you, you're not doing this. You're not drafting this guy number one and, and, and going to tell him to get in coverage and be an outside linebacker. So anyway, they, they've attempted to make some changes. Right before he got hurt, he had his most plays uh, that year in that game uh, – you know, from a three-point stance. But I'm still not totally sold on my call wall. Just my opinion there. All right, I just found this. Because we talked about a 1,000-yard receiver for, uh, for um, Kirk. Jimmy Smith has done it here nine times. Nine times. This is according to our buddy John Shipley. Keenan McCardell four times. Allen Robinson, remember he had the monster year? He hit 1,000 yards once. Allen Hearns, 1,000 yards receiving once. And DJ Chark. That's it. Five players. And Chark only got 1,008 yards. Mm Mm-hmm. Jimmy nine, Keenan four, and then one apiece for A-Rob, Hearns, and DJ Chark. So... Christian Kirk getting 1,000 yards means something to him. It also means something to this organization. You told me in 2019 that they actually went 3,000, 1,000, 1,000. Yeah, so Minshew had 3,200 yards, Fournette had 1,100, and DJ Chark had 1,008 yards. Okay. Hmm. That's that's interesting. Uh, I would have said they did it in 18 or 17 because those were – you know, that 17 season was pretty magical. 19, yeah, I, wow, in Gardner Minshew. Yeah, that was when Foles played four games. Did you see Nick Foles last night? Thank God I didn't. Uh, I honestly forgot that there was Monday Night Football, you know, because the holiday, my days got all messed up. So I was, like, shocked when I looked this morning and saw that they got they even played. I saw the score. I had a good laugh. Really bad quarterback play this weekend by yes. a lot of QBs around the league. This year? Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with Mac Jones in New England. He's a total cheap shot art. I don't know. I saw what, that. The Jacksonville Waters. He's like he's like the NFL's version of Grayson Allen. He really is. So if you didn't see it, there was an interception that was being taken back. And a guy, a defender who was at least like 15 yards behind the play. The it was Eli was, Apple. Yeah, clearly going in the end zone. Yeah, and so he goes low, Mac Jones does, on Eli Apple like knee-wise. The only thing, if you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt, it's that this guy is a total unathletic. We saw him try to tackle a player a couple weeks ago in that Raiders game. Like, he doesn't know what he's doing out there on defense. So maybe, but uh, if you're not giving him the benefit of the doubt, that's just a total cheap shot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Really, really bad. Awful look. Uh, they're on him big time. And you look at that draft class. <laughs> More guys failing than progressing. And obviously it's working here. Uh, the massive boost as of late for Lawrence. And it's working with Fields uh, at Soldier Field. But the others, not at all. Uh, including the latest with Zach Wilson, who they could say goodbye to him after just two years. All right, uh, let's continue on with some calls. 641-1010. We have open lines if you'd like to join us. Also, the text line is burning up. 641-1010. Getting a lot of stuff right now in and out of Orangedale. Okay, apparently we're number one there. And I also have someone who wants to know if my mafia ties to the 210 mafia could spill over to Orangedale. Here's what I'll (laughs) tell you about that. Okay? Don't call us. We'll call you. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, we're here tonight till uh, 8 o'clock. Uh, tomorrow night we're on, or tomorrow on 3 to 6, okay? Frangie Shell, they're all gone. They're all on vacation. So we're going to do it 3 to 6. I'm off Thursday to watch the Cheez-It Bowl. And uh, it's going to be a big one. I'm a little nervous here just because Oklahoma owns Florida State. Now, they haven't played since 2011. But I want to say Oklahoma's won, what, six in a row and one of those deals where they finally came to Tallahassee in either 10 or 11. They had a home-and-home, but Fritz before that was always in Norman and in the Orange Bowl. Uh, Florida State beat them here in 1965 at the Gator Bowl. That's it. I think they're one in five lifetime or one in six lifetime. And that means nothing for this game. Florida State, no opt-outs so far. Okay? And, you know, that could change. It could be announced tonight. It could be announced tomorrow. It could be announced Thursday before the game. But you look at a guy like Jared Verse. He is considered a first-rounder. By a lot of mocks, which obviously is subject to change with everything that is in front of them. Uh, Fabian Lovett is a guy that during Florida State's three-game losing streak was sorely missed when it came to clogging up the middle. Okay, Very good run defender. You know, the, I understand verse leaving. He's got a chance to be a first or second rounder. I, I honestly don't see it with Fabian Lovett. I think he'd be a day three pick. I, I think he's a, you know, a sixth, seventh round type of guy. He'd be better served to return, but that's my opinion. Jamie Robinson is the, I mean, Jamie Robinson told me in July when he sat with me in Charlotte that this was it, you know, that he was leaving. Now, Jordan Travis was telling a lot of people at that same meeting that this was it for him, and obviously he announced that, that he is coming back. So... We'll see what happens. I think those are the three that you would be most concerned about not playing. Now, Jamie Robinson has said he's playing. Uh, Jared Verse has said that he is playing. Fabian Lovett's been interesting. I've had conflicting reports about him over the last, what, uh, tomorrow will be their 13th practice allowed, that he has missed practice, that he hasn't been there uh, like the others. And, And even guys in the transfer portal, like, like Amari Gaynor and others, uh, many of them who are leaving Florida State after this bowl game, 
have still been practicing with them and, you know, could have an opportunity uh, to play in the game. Uh, Florida State has really been benefited, uh, has, has re- excuse me, has really benefited from, you know, a lot of the decisions that, that players have made to return. Uh, Jordan Travis was enormous. Trey Benson, the running back, was was massive. Just, in, I mean, to see what he did in the second half of the season and just understanding how there is zero respect for running backs in the NFL, don't you kind of want to get paid as soon as you can? But thankfully for Noel fans, he's coming back. Micah Pittman's coming back. Winston Wright Jr. never got on the field this year is coming back. Been a little bit of talk about Johnny Wilson leaving. Uh, that'd be a major mistake for the young man. Okay, he he's still a massive project. I mean, he he drops every other ball. I think his route running needs improvement, and he doesn't have blazing speed. So those are three things that are going against him. You know, in as a targeted six foot seven guy, I think there's some question as to whether or not could he end up being an Evan Ingram type tight end in the NFL. Now, Evan Ingram's a legit four four guy who his concerns were injuries and catching the ball. I think he has five drops this year. You've seen him what the last three weeks? What does he have? Twenty four receptions. Evan Ingram uh, over. You know, near, I think it's like nearly 300 yards or over 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns. And, you know, again, J.J. and I were talking about that even six weeks ago. Like, man, do you re-sign Evan Ingram? The guy's just catching just over three footballs a game. But he's exploded the last three weeks. And it's been really a, a, a totally different uh, element offensively with this Jaguar team. Uh, but I don't think Johnny Wilson is close to being ready uh, for the, to the NFL. Uh, you know, Kalen Deloach came back. Tana Bethune came back. Uh, Renardo Green, Jerry and Jones. There was some talk they may leave. They're coming back. I guess the only other guy they're waiting on defensively is Akeem Dent. And they missed him in the Florida game. They really did. Shaheen Brown played well, but I, I believe that they would be better served with him coming back for one more year. You just don't know what's going on with them personally. The NIL helps, but they may want to, you know, school may be it, and they want to carry on their career and, and see if they can make it. So we'll see. But, you know, all seems to be well right now uh, for Florida State. They're, for the most part, a healthy team. We'll see if they're able to get it done against Oklahoma. A bunch of bowls today, what, four of them? Buffalo 23-21 over Georgia Southern. Memphis, a 38-10 win over Utah State. We have a game getting set to go right now. That is Coastal Carolina, East Carolina. And then late night is a pretty good one in Phoenix tonight. Wisconsin at 6-6. Six and six. Oklahoma State, 7-5. and five. Oklahoma State was one of those schools. Weren't they like 6-0, and 5-0, oh, and oh, or 6-0? And, oh? and then they just totally, absolutely fell apart. Let me look at the Cowboys here real quick, just to... Yeah, they were 5-0, and and they lost at TCU. Wow, 43-40 and double overtime. Of course, TCU on Saturday playing in the semifinals, uh, college football playoffs. Yes, the, the, the brilliant individuals of our college football world 
are putting the semifinals on New Year's Eve. And I already told my chick, you're going to be pissed, but we're not going out. You laid down the law. I did. I was like, we can go How out earlier in the day, but I'm watching the Georgia game. Like, I, I can watch, uh, you know, glance up at the uh, um, Michigan versus TCU game at a bar somewhere. You know, no. that's fine. But I will be in front of my television on my couch doing what I want to do for mm-hmm. the Georgia game. That's too important to miss. Well, you're a man, and I appreciate that. I'm not married that. yet, and I don't have any kids. No. So, yes, I can still do things like that. Here's my deal. Same. And it's because i got to get up at 6.30 New Year's Day to roll in here and do the pregame do show. The Jag show. Yeah. Built-in excuse. And I, there's, hey, there's no place I'd rather be than right here at 8 a.m. <laughs> on New Year's Entertaining Day. Entertaining you fine Okay. Folks. I mean, the Jaguars For are going to the playoffs. potentially doesn't matter. I mean, I'm in. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma State, so they lost that game at TCU 43-40. They turn around, they beat Texas the week after. And then they lost four of five, including losing forty-eight to nothing. Whoa! At Kansas State, Wisconsin is a four and a half point favorite tonight. Yeah, of course they made the coaching change at Wisconsin, and the only win was Iowa State. They lost to Oklahoma. They lost to West Virginia. So that's a late night game coming up tonight. Uh, certainly, I'm taping the Boston Bruins game. I should be home midway through. Uh, the second period uh, tonight, they're in Ottawa. They will drop the puck. It's a busy night tonight. Hey, folks, don't m- make sure you're around the TV to watch it, especially if Washington has a lead. Get an opportunity to watch Ovi get yet another empty net goal. That's uh, I mean, that's thrilling. What was your football watching schedule during Christmas slash Christmas Eve? You know that Ovi. Broke Gordy Howe's. Well, I saw he had 801 now, but that wasn't it, an empty netter. It was a, Well, 801 tied it. Okay. So the empty netter broke Gordy Howe's record. Right. He got a hat trick <laughs> for 800. Yeah, A I legitimate hat trick. And then he, you know, what? Wayne Gretzky has 894 goals. Gordy Howe has 801. So now, Gordy Howe retired with 801 goals? Yes. So was that like him holding on just to get Forever. 800? Okay. No, well, he went to the WHA, took the big money, you know, like Bobby Hull did and Jerry yeah. Cheevers and Derek Sanderson. A lot of players back then went to, was I that guess. Like live golf? Like the ABA. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like live golf. Like, like the uh, – United States Football League, mm-hmm. you know, Herschel Walker, Steve Young, Reggie White. They took all the money, but still 801 goals. And Gordy Howe was such a sensational two-way hockey player. This is what people have told me. I've seen some old film. But this is a guy who checked. This is a guy who played defense. The Gordy Howe hat trick was a goal, an assist, and, and a, a fight. fight. Yeah, I love I mean, that. He, he was a monster. And, and Ovechkin's a tough guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an Ovechkin hater. I marvel over his talent. When it's all said and done, he is going to be considered the greatest goal scorer in the history of the National Hockey League. But don't cheapen it by getting all of these empty net goals. He's got 54 empty net goals. Only Wayne Gretzky has more with 86. And to me, I just thought that it cheapened... The process of, of passing a Gordy Howe is Babe Ruth to the National Hockey League. 
Okay, he, he's um, he's Johnny Unitas, or I don't know. He's he's a Dick Buckus uh, to to the NFL, and to pass Gordy Howe with an open net goal with three guys right. He did. Do you see the highlight? He passed it. But it's again, it's almost like mob rules. Like, how dare you score an empty net goal? All of that money, all of that's going all the way up to the Godfather. That's Ovi. He's the only man in the world who's going to get an empty net goal. Does Ovi have? Oh, like his teammates intentionally oh, yeah. pass up goals to give him more. Uh, does Ovi have one empty net assist? No, he's I'm got not... he's got fifty four empty net goals. I mean, he doesn't have one empty net assist. <laughs> Well, that's the same with, like, you know, any shooter. Shooter's going to shoot. Scorer's going to score. Um, I'm watching Gordy Howe highlights right now. He's a monster. Also, no helmets. Oh, those guys were absolutely lunatics. No helmets, no masks. That's on tonight. What were you asking me about my uh, Christmas? Yeah, what with Christmas Eve football and Christmas football, were you able to take in? I know you probably didn't get your normal amount of football watching in. Well, I played golf on Christmas Eve, which was the coldest day of the year. Yes, it was. And it was absolutely brutal. What did you shoot? You know what? I didn't even keep score on the back <laughs> You were just trying to live. Um, but it was absolutely miserable. And I, I don't think I've ever drank so much Baileys and coffee in my life. I've never been a big... I used to, way back when in Boston, maybe a little bit of peppermint schnapps and, and hot chocolate... Or maybe a little bit of Bailey's in some coffee. Now, listen, I love Bailey's. It's really the only liquor that I like on the rocks. I, I prefer my my liquor neat, okay? I do. Whether it's Irish whiskey, Irish whiskey or Maker's Mark, or I've been actually drinking a little bit of tequila lately. Too much tequila. Did you have any of the tequila I bought I you, have. by the way? It's yeah. pretty tasty, yes. huh? So huh? Rick got me the fancy bottle of 1800 Yeah. Not that, you know, $20 crap. Drinking a little bit of that as so of I late. appreciate that. But the Baileys, I, it's the only thing I like on the raw. Like Jameson, I, I like it neat. I don't need it chilled. And, um, man, I drank so much coffee and I, that I couldn't sleep. I could not go to sleep. And I had plenty of others. You know, once I got inside the, the bar and stuff, I, I started drinking beer, started drinking Miller Lite. You know, but I still up. I could not fall asleep. I, I've never drank so much coffee in my life, I'm a two cup a, or I would like to say morning, would that be a lie? I, I typically have my first cup of coffee right when I get up, which is usually around, I don't know, 11.30. That's my lifestyle. But I couldn't get away from it. And then I did it again yesterday. We went out and played, but it was about 10 degrees warmer yesterday. So it wasn't nearly as bad. Uh, I honestly watched Minshew? I did. Okay. I absolutely watched that That was game. the game of the day, really. Yeah, we went to a bar. My girlfriend dropped me off and then picked me up. We and a couple other buddies. We went and watched that Cowboys Eagles game. And then Christmas Day, uh, Dolphins, Dolphins Packers was really yeah. The other two were stinkers. Mm-hmm. The Buccaneers are yeah. They're they're tough to watch right now. And you know, I could not believe what I witnessed the Rams do to the Broncos. It cost Nate Hackett his job today. That's the third in-season coach that we have seen now get fired, okay? Matt Rule, Frank Reich, and uh, the aforementioned Nate Hackett, who, you know, I, I, 
There's nothing I hate more than the, well, I told you so guy, but come on. Everyone saw this one coming. This man was a disaster in Jacksonville. An absolute disaster. Say what you want about this team. At least Doug Peterson, and I don't think it's going to happen overnight, even though they're on such a roll right now. There's still parts of this football team that need to be improved significantly. But you have a coach that is going to try to win. And that, to me, is all you can ask for right now. Nate Hackett had an opportunity to win the 2017 AFC Championship game, as you know, was played in January of 2018. Go back. As a matter of fact, I think I have it. Do I want to read this next hour to to kind of take you down memory lane uh, with the expense of the fired Nate Hackett? Or should I just let it go? Because playoff football is right there in front of you, Jaguar fans. Let me think about it here during the top of the hour break. But this man was a disaster in the fourth quarter in Foxborough. The most predictable set of game plan that I game plans that I have ever witnessed in my life. I sat there on the sideline and called every damn one of those plays. And I don't care where you were, if you were in Foxborough like I was, or if you were sitting at sitting in a bar or sitting at home on your couch, you knew exactly what Jacksonville was going to do. During each and every one of those fourth quarter possessions, it was totally, absolutely pathetic. At least go down swinging. Nate Hackett did not take the bat off his shoulder. He went down strike one, strike two, strike three, watching each and every pitch. It was one of the most gutless performances I have ever seen by a coach. And Doug Marone witnessed the whole damn thing. You're not going to get that with Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, two weeks later, tried to win a Super Bowl and did with Nick Foles for crying out loud. Remember his game plan that day? Remember the things he did compared to Nate Hackett two weeks earlier? Just disgusting. Good riddance uh, to him. He'll land on his feet, but what a massive disappointment he has been for the Denver Broncos. All right, let's get ready for our second hour. Again, we'll grab calls. Jaguar fans, 641-1010, best way to get on board. Also on our text line, 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. And you can get me on Twitter. That is Baloo, B-A-L-L-O-U, 1010XL. Into the Night with Rick Baloo on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, let me spend a minute on this because uh, some people have asked, and I'm here to deliver. All right. This is the uh, this is the fourth quarter of the Miles Jack wasn't down AFC Championship game, and there are there are there are people out there that that I know and I like and I've been friends with for decades who will say, get over it, turn the page, move on. And I'm always going to fight that, okay? No matter what the situation is, I can't allow that. And 
I always state that I'll get over it when I fall into that wooden box for the final time and I'm dead. As far as I'm concerned, grudges like this, missed birdie opportunities. All right, it's one thing to miss a birdie putt, right? You read the green wrong. You pushed it. You pulled it. It's another thing to leave a birdie putt short because uh, – another thing to miss because you left it short, right? I mean, who's the brilliant uh, – Wayne Gretzky, we talked talking earlier, said you're going to miss 100% of the shots you don't take. What's another rule? Who came up with it? Was it Bob Hope? Was it Bobby Jones? Was it uh, was it Ben Hogan? Uh, who was it who stated that, well, 100% of the putts you make that you leave short are not going to go in, right? That's the way that this game, to me, was defined with Nate Hackett, an opportunity to kill the beast in Foxborough, and you didn't. Warren Sharp is uh, he's an odd guy. I, I like some of what he puts on Twitter. Others, I think, is some other stuff out there I think is, is, is crap, uh, but he does here and there put out some good stuff, and he... He talked about this right when it happened, and I went back and I saw it. He, he here's his first tweet: poor, situ- uh, poor situational awareness, clock management, highly predictable play calling. Thank you. That is what I've been yelling about ever since the game. Inferior play calling. Okay, the Jags can say that they were playing to win with second down deep shots. On 100% of second downs, but that is not how you really win in this situation. He goes on to say the Jaguars had six snaps in the fourth quarter without moving the clock in a lead if you include the one punt. They never ran the play clock to even five seconds, let alone inside five seconds. Four of the six snaps were with nine to 13 seconds left on the play clock. So this is a team, if you remember, was trying to play a totally conservative style of football and get out of there with a win by watching the clock tick, yet they snap the ball with 9 to 13 seconds remaining on the play clock. So now on third and long with a stop clock, what do they do? 100% pass and only one completion. The punt following the the pass uh, was snapped with six seconds on the play, yada, yada, yada. All right, here's here's the, the nuts and bolts of it. is from Warren Sharp. This is Jacksonville with the lead in the fourth quarter of the AFC Championship game with Nate Hackett calling the plays. Every single first down was a run from the shotgun. Okay? Four first downs. Here's what they accomplished. Two yards, one yard, one yard, and minus one yard. So you ran on all four of your possessions on first down. Okay? That means you were second and eight, second and nine, second and nine, and second and 11. On the road in Foxborough. And remember, when they snapped the ball, it was between nine and 13 seconds remaining on the play clock. So what did they do during second down? You ready? Every single second down was a long pass downfield, okay? Um, all of these second and long situations 
during this fourth quarter lead was, you know, the goal was either to complete a first down or set up a third and manageable, right? Instead, look at what they did. Remember how we criticized, remember the criticism that came last week, Dallas on, on third down? And, oh, when they were running the clock. Third down, out, Kellen yes. Moore. Okay. Trevor Lawrence fumbles the football. Th- this is why, to me, why Mike McCarthy should be fired at the end of the year. And Kellen Moore is being talked about as a head coach somewhere. Are you kidding me? Trevor Lawrence fumbled that football. There was, what, a minute 40 to go in the game? Dallas didn't try to win the game. I mean, no one talks about it because this is Jacksonville and everyone's ecstatic. But if you were in Dallas, you ran on first down. And everyone in the world knew that you were going to run on first down. Jacksonville burns a timeout. You run on second down. Everyone in the world knows you're going to run. Jacksonville burns their second timeout. So what do you do on third down and 10 or third and 11? You do one of two things. You run it and make Jacksonville use their third and final timeout, or you try to get it to the chains. You try to get it to 11 yards. Instead, they threw it, what, 40 yards downfield? You could throw, but make sure that it's a completion. Okay. So they have to change or take a timeout. They threw like a a basically a a one-on-one Hail Mary type ball 40 yards downfield that had not a high percentage play. So let's go back to the AFC Championship game. And the only reason why we're doing this is is just taking a quick little trip down memory lane with the awful, okay, unforgettable and unforgivable play calling of Nate Hackett. Again, you have second and eight, second and nine, second and nine, and second and 11. So what does Jacksonville do on every single one of their second down opportunities? They throw an incomplete pass. But they don't throw an incomplete pass, you know, trying to pick up, you know, half the yards or at least to the stick, right? Uh-uh. When it's second and eight, Bortles throws a pass incomplete 20 yards downfield. When it's second and nine, Bortles throws it incomplete 20 yards downfield. When it's second and nine, Bortles throws an incomplete pass 35 yards downfield. When it is third and 11, or excuse me, second and 11, Bortles throws an incomplete pass 17 yards downfield. Okay, you you follow where this game plan is going? I mean, on the other side, you've got the smartest coach, arguably, in the history of the NFL. A defensive-minded coach. I don't even remember who his coordinator was, and it was probably Matt Patricia. I'm I'm not sure. That is the brain trust on the other side of the field. So now let's go to third down, okay? Third and long, okay, with a stop clock. What do the Jaguars do? 100% pass and only one completion. The punt following that pass was a snap with only six seconds on the play clock. The others were punted and stopped, Uh, yada, yada, yada. All right, so there you go. You had four possessions in the AFC championship game in the fourth quarter. You ran unsuccessfully each and every one of your first down carries. You passed unsuccessfully 0 for 4, four incomplete passes on second and long. You completed one pass out of your four third down opportunities and settled for four punts. Does that sound like a football team? 
that tried to win. Now, maybe you can say, all right, well, he threw it 20, 20, 35, and 17 yards. So they tried to do a little something on second and long. You just weren't able to accomplish it with Bortles and company. Point I'm trying to make, and I made these comments back then on, on, you know, on these airwaves. It was so disappointing because it was so predictable to see what this football team did. And how did this guy, how did he get a head coaching job? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It's exactly how he got a head coaching job. What a massive miss by Denver. So that leaves us now with three coaches already gone. Who's next? It, really, it kind of feels like Cliff Kingsbury, right? Kyler Murray. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think he almost got lucky that Kyler got hurt. Yeah. He might be able to use that as some sort of excuse or like. Well, Steve Kime is who out. Who wants to come in next year and you're going to have a backup for most of the season, I would suspect. Steve Kime took a leave of absence. He did so two days after the Murray injury. J.J. Uh, Watt announces today that he's retiring. It just feels like Kingsbury and Murray aren't on the same page. Others are saying out there that even after the injury that Murray has become, you know, a total malcontent, that he's very difficult to get along with. Um, I, I have trouble digesting that because the man got paid. And to me, you know, money solves a lot of problems. But, but, you know, he's injured at this particular time. feels like he's on the outs. I, I can't see Tampa hanging on to Todd Bowles. That, that oh, thing is, that thing is terrible. Did, you know, I, I finally... About, you're talking about an offense that's predictable. Tampa. Yeah. Every time it's the exact same thing. Tampa has no speed. They look old. They can't, I mean... Not just Brady, like everybody. They can't run. They cannot get open. I don't know what's happened to Mike Evans, man. And Brady missed him on that corner route uh, the other night. And, you know, the he had Julio Jones, and it was called back because it was... Brady makes like 10 bad throws a game. He He's really... But, but you know what? That offensive line is, is yeah. just terrible right now in Tampa. And guess what? They're going to win the division and host a playoff game. I finally saw Todd Bowles talk. I watched it. Listen. He's a nice guy. Oh, yeah. I watch Tampa play every week because, you know, I, I think you're witnessing something that I don't ever think will happen again. I mean, Tom Brady won his 285th game yesterday. Okay? 285 wins. It, it, it's, it's absolutely unheard of. But I watch Tampa Bay every, every week, and it seems like Todd Bowles is, is never talking. You know what I mean? And finally, I watched him talk a little bit. I mean, I don't care who you – I mean, even – Oh, you mean like literally during the game. Whenever they yeah. show him, he's never he's, – his lips are never moving. Okay? And listen, there was a lot of that with Urban Meyer here. But that was Urban. Everyone commented on it. I don't care who you are or what the situation is. When they show the head coach, he's at least involved in – the conversation. Doug Peterson is obviously always talking because he's calling plays. And, you know, Cliff Kingsbury playing on the other side, kind of the same deal. I look at Todd Bowles, and he's not even doing anything. He's got, like, zero, and he's still running that defense. It's his defense. So I think he's out. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a change in Cleveland. 
right? I mean, isn't that par for Cleveland? But crying out loud, it's the Cleveland Browns. Of course they're going to fire their coach. They fire their coach every two years. That's just customary for them. Do we have any other team that would surprise you if they and we had 10 a year ago we already have three now i could see would six you be shocked if the, they gave up on mcdaniel already um no i think that's probably it i would i would the the only other one i could see oh what about washington i mean i know they've had a semi-decent season but like ron rivera is a crap coach they're never gonna win anything with him yeah i well, who knows what's going on right now there? With yeah, true. Nothing would surprise me. Okay. Uh, um, if Dallas has like an early playoff exit again. Well, I already, I already gave you my thoughts on Mike McCarthy here two exactly. weeks ago. He didn't try to win that game. If I was a Dallas fan, I would be irate. It's one thing to lose. It's another thing to lose when you coach scared. And Nate Hackett coached scared in the 2017 playoff game two weeks ago here Dallas and Mike McCarthy coach scared against Jacksonville I think Sean Payton's a big player in all this oh yes I I honestly think that if Jerry Jones knew he could get Sean Payton he may walk away from Mike McCarthy I I believe that if the Los Angeles Chargers who are going to the playoffs if they were to get knocked out in week one and they thought they could get Sean Payton Maybe that's the end of the road there. Uh, you know, I, Peyton has said Miami as well. Uh, you know, McDaniel has struggled a little bit as of late. Miami still has a real legitimate shot uh, to grab that last playoff rank. You know, to grab that last playoff spot. Right now, they are one of two wild card teams uh, that would end up getting in. Uh, let's see. As a matter of fact, let me come back. Let's spend a minute on this. I got to do it. I got to take a break here because we're up against it. Uh, getting a lot of feedback from you, though, on the text line. That's the best way to get on board. 641-1010. We're with you tonight till 8 o'clock. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Yeah, I'm getting ready for concert season. Come on in. Great venues here in town. Florida Theater, Daly's Place, the Arena, the St. Og Amp. I mean, what more could you ask for? Come to town. Good music town. Get Deep Purple rolling in. You want to go to the Deep Purple show, man? Hush, hush. That'd be fun. You I know? do love their music. We can gum it up. Now, is this all it's not like the, the old uh, days where people were passing Jaybirds. Today, it's all about the gummies, and you can just kind of stare in at the, the stars. Got to hit the vape. My brother was <laughs> hitting his vape on Christmas on the couch in my mother's house. <laughs> I'm like, that's how, like, the vape. That's how weird weed smoking has gotten. That. He's literally smoking on my mother's couch, and no one even noticed. You can't go to a Deep Purple concert, you know, on a couple of beers. That that would be a total disservice to them. That would be a slap in the face to them. Right. Are they English? Oh, yeah. Okay. They were across the pond. Not, not a lot of the originals are still there. I saw them here probably three years ago. They Judas Priest opened up for them at Daly's Place. 
And I was really surprised. I've seen Judas Priest a few times. I want to say Judas Priest played here for, during Rockville, maybe. Um, but a lot of people left after Judas Priest. It was like Judas. Ooh. It's like the opening act was um, better received than Deep Purple. And I, I think it was a weeknight. You know, it was like a Tuesday or a Wednesday night. So these people probably had to get up That's and go to work. Time. You know, obviously it wasn't a younger audience. I got to hear my woman from Tokyo before I leave. When you uh, when you have a double billing of Judas Priest and Deep Purple, I mean, th- the mean is going to be about 75 years of age. Yes. I remember I went to that show, and I was officially the, the youngest, youngest person guy. there. Loved well, it. I thought Deep Purple would be opening up for Judas Priest. Maybe they switch off. No, it was quarterly. Yeah, you know, Deep Purple was – they were really part of that underground movement um, you know, right after, like, the Rolling Stones and the Who. You know, they were right there with, like, the Kinks and bands like that. I'm reading the book now on Fleetwood Mac, which is, it's from Mick himself. It's just unbelievable how they were so close to folding up when Peter Green left mm. the band. And they had some troubles, and they brought in Bob Welsh, who surprisingly just got up and left, and he went out on his own a little bit. But they were totally... You know, an English band that became more popular here in the States, and then they resettled in in Southern California because their former manager tried to steal the name Fleetwood Mac, even though Fleetwood Mac was named after Mick Fleetwood and John McVie. Some people don't understand that. John McVie is the Mac side of Fleetwood Mac. And, of course, he married uh, Christine McVie, who I, she had a great last name. I think her name was Christine Perfect was her maiden name. Yeah. And, and she became Christine McVeigh. I was out with Susan and Derek last night, Derek, Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks, and I asked Susan if she had ever met Christine McVeigh, and she said that she spent a, a lot of times and has met Stevie, you know, Stevie Nicks many, many times, and I was aware of that. You know, Stevie got all the glory, and she was so talented because of her, her ability to sing. But to me, Christine McVie was even more important because she was a phenomenal musician and, you know, writer, uh, lyricist. And I, I still, to this day, think her lead vocals were incredibly underrated. You listen to some of her stuff with Fleetwood Mac. But anyway, they went to California because th- their former manager was trying to steal their name. And that's where they, he wanted just Lindsey Buckingham to play guitar. And he said, uh-uh, we're coming as a package deal. Stevie and, and Lindsay. So there you go. May, people really consider them, you know, a California-based band, but their their ties really go back uh, to England as well. So on the text line, um, like when you text in, not only do we see the text that you just sent, but we see like your, you know, previous few. Yeah. There's a guy. Mm-hmm. November 3rd of this year. Davis Mills is far and away better than Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> we need his name. We need to call him up. We need to call out that guy. Yeah, someone says Lovey Smith should get fired. Here's a guy here, 6635, says uh, Belichick is gone. Whoa. Like, well, maybe on his choice, like, he would leave. Belichick. I couldn't imagine that uh, uh, Robert Kraft would fire Bill right now. He's made some bad decisions. 
draft-wise. Okay, but I think he's... Then again, look at Philadelphia, man. They fired Doug Peterson right after he won a Super Bowl. I mean, Bill Belichick's won six of those bad boys. Different thing. First of all, it's Philly. Second of all, yes, he's won a million. And he's, like, responsible for Robert Kraft's, you know, being who Robert Kraft is right now. Robert Kraft looks like he's really slowed down. Did you see the video? He's old. Did you see that pig out in uh, oh. out in Vegas who got in that man's face? No. He's 81. Um, It was after – it was – you oh, know, a Patriots fan. The yeah. last two weeks, the way the Patriots the lost to the Raiders game, yes. and the way they lost to the Bengals. There was a large woman. There was, was a very the large a woman. Patriots fan, yes. But just totally verbally abusing this fan in, in Las there, Vegas. Yeah. And Kraft brought him in. He and some, I guess, family or fans and, and, and put him in the suite for the game this last week. I mean, total tip of the cap to this young man. He just got verbally destroyed by this overfed woman <laughs> and he took it and it was a great example of um being the bigger man it was a great example of just dealing with white trash i i guess would be the proper way to say it and it got a lot of attention it went viral because, you know, there's so many other people who would have reacted differently. They either would have had words or, you know, maybe there would have been a, a physical confrontation, which in this case, because it is a woman, the man would have gotten just destroyed, even though. So I just give him so much respect for being able to have a sense of control. But he brought him in and I saw the video and man, it, it, it felt like to me that Robert Kraft really struggled to talk, really struggled to get out his words. Mm-hmm. I'm watching it. Disappointed to see that. Yes, 81, dude. Happens. 56-24, Blue. Anyone worried about the long break that we've had since the last game? I, I'm not because they're winning. Okay? Uh, now, listen, they had that bye after the loss in Kansas City. Remember, they were down 20 nothing, and they came back and, and made it a game. They lost 27-17. to I was concerned about that because they had lost five in a row, and then they knocked off the Raiders here after being down 17-0. Just imagine that for one moment. This football team lost five straight in the month of October. They had five games in October on the 2nd, 9th, 16th, 23rd, and 30th. Zero for five in October. You're down 17-0 to the Raiders, and you came back. Wow. Then you lost against maybe the best team in the NFL at Kansas City. I was concerned about the bye then because they had lost five of six and they were once again falling into a trap where they were getting themselves behind on a weekly basis. And, you know, it nearly happened right after the bye. Again, they were only down 6 nothing to Baltimore, but there were two drop touchdown passes. That game very easily could have been 14 nothing. Ravens. Then they just got pummeled against Detroit. Are those tapes that I had against the week of Detroit, have those vanished now? Are those disappeared in the thin air? I'm sure we'll never hear those again. Yeah, because I, I tell you what, man, if I, if I was, a, what, you said an earlier texter said that Davis Mills was better than, than Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, he's trying to defend himself right now. I want to say that um, Monday, December 5th show. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> 
I mean, I had going away tickets for a lot of guys in that building. I mean, earlier in the season after they lost to, I guess it was Denver, I think. You know, Matt Hayes and Leon Searcy on XL Primetime were like, I don't think they're going to win another uh, it's, game. It's unbelievable. It, I mean, again, you was five in a row and six or seven, and then you you think there's a glimmer because the two wins you get in a period of seven weeks, two wins in eight weeks, are come from behind victories against Las Vegas and Baltimore. So you're like, and then you just get your ass kicked in Detroit. I mean, it, it was a, I don't know how they've done it. I do not know how they've won three in a row against three good defensive teams in the Titans, Cowboys, and the Jets. So, no, I'm not concerned. It's a it's a late, you know, it's a Thursday night. They get to stick around here uh, for Christmas. They'll, they'll leave early Saturday. And, you know, obviously they're going to play on New Year's Day. I don't think that's as big of a deal as traveling during Christmas. You know, last year during Christmas Day, we flew in to New Jersey. I remember going across the pond, going across the Hudson, and walking around New York on Christmas Day. I pulled up today on my Facebook thing a little video I did outside of Sparks Steakhouse, which was closed, but, you know, that's where... uh, you know, that's where um, Castellano was uh, was shot dead in the hit by uh, John Gotti and Sammy the Bull Gravano. The rat. The ultimate rat. John Gotti never rat. John Gotti died in prison, but he never ratted anyone out, unlike the Bull. So I'm not concerned. I think they have an opportunity to, to rest. And, and, I, and for that, that advantage is going to spill over for Tennessee – Next week, because they play in 48 hours, right? They play Thursday night. So they're going to get the luxury of getting healthy on thir- on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, where the Jags going to play on Sunday. So they get a 72-hour head start. And Mike Vrabel has already talked about resting key players. This is really weird how this game has almost – no bearing at all. The The only thing that could happen is it'd be better for Jacksonville to win in case there's, what, a crazy scenario where the Jaguars were to lose to Tennessee. They could still find their way into the playoffs. Let me, let me find it for you. I have it right here. All right, here's the way that if Jacksonville wins this Sunday in Houston but was to lose to Tennessee – Okay, this is how they get into the playoffs. They would need this weekend the Dolphins and the Jets to lose. I'm I'm not even sure who they're playing. I think one of those teams is in New England. Let me let me see who they're playing this week. The Dolphins play the Pats. Okay, how about the Jets? Jets are in Seattle. Okay, Jets are a two point favorite in Seattle. How? I guess White's back. And that is a weird line, huh? Would you say the uh, Jets, Patriots? Dolphins, Patriots. Dolphins, Patriots, New England favored by two and a half. Miami's really struggling. They might so, have to. Uh... Yeah, another concussion for him. Just awful. All right, so you need this is what the Jaguars need. They, they need losses by Miami and New York this, this weekend. 
Next weekend, you need losses by Miami and New England. Let's peek ahead. I know New Miami England plays the Jets. has Buffalo. Okay, yeah, Jets in Miami. It's always tough to go down south this time of year. Pats, Bills. That could be worrisome. You know, we know now the Bills at, at this particular time would have that bye. Do they need to win out in order to keep that bye, you know, to keep it away from Kansas City? So when you had two buys, and remember the playoff rules have changed. We only have one buy now. We've added an extra wild card game in both the AFC and NFC. How great is that for football fans? Just, just to know that you're getting two more playoff football games this year. That, that, that's pretty incredible. Uh, but week 17 uh, or 18, you need a loss as well by the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that's what you need. If the season ended today, Buffalo gets the only buy. Your playoff games would be as is, all right? Number five, Baltimore coming here to take on number four, Jacksonville. You would have a seventh seed in Miami going to a second seed in Kansas City, and you would have a sixth seed in Los Angeles going to a third seed in Cincinnati. Right now, playoff spots have been clinched by five teams. Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and Baltimore, and the Los Angeles Chargers. NFC, the bye is Philadelphia. The playoffs would be, if the season ended today, a seventh seed in Washington going to a second seed indoors in Minnesota. A sixth seed in New York going to a third seed in San Francisco. And a fifth seed, Dallas, down the road against a fourth seed in Tampa Bay. The entire NFC East is going to the playoffs if the season was over today. It's it's absolutely mind-boggling. It, it just it just simply blows you away. And I mean, who would have believed that Jacksonville would end up having more success this year against the uh, you know against the AFC West than actually the NFC East that we knew has always been the bottom feeder. And, you know, they lost at Washington. They lost at Philly. They lost here against the Giants. And then the, the best team in the conference, they they beat here in, in, in Dallas. And you're down 27 to 10 late in the third quarter, J.J. 27-10. And this team comes back. Absolutely incredible. You know, you look at the AFC West. They won in L.A. That's a playoff team. You destroyed them, 38-10. They punched them right in the mouth. Lost that game, you know, in, in London was terrible. That was maybe outside of Detroit. That that was a loss that that really stung, right? Again, you're down 17 nothing to Vegas, and you come from behind, you win that. And then Kansas City, I, I think that is arguably the most acceptable loss that Jacksonville had this year because Kansas City is is probably right there with Buffalo as is arguably the best team in the NFL. Philadelphia really got hurt in their offensive line. They lost Lane Johnson. That that's what it's all about now. It's about staying healthy. And it goes back to our earlier conversation about whether or not you play Trevor Lawrence and, and all of these players coming up Sunday. 
in Houston. All right, let's put our final touches on this one. Again, uh, hopefully you'll join us tomorrow. We will be with you from 3 until 6 tomorrow. Uh, That'll be Wednesday's program. I'm off Thursday. Going to watch the Florida State-Oklahoma game. Appreciate the higher-ups. Just saying, Baloo, we don't want you anywhere near the microphone when Florida State's playing. We we care. There's children out there. There's families. And um, we hit the dump button too many times with you. We can't have you on the air during Florida State. So I've been told to take the day off. I'll be back on Friday. So that's this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, let's wrap it up next. Final thoughts. Uh, again, you want to comment? Best way to do so is on the text line 641-1010 brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, no score, end to one, Boston in Ottawa. The Penguins tonight, NYI. Sidney Crosby, 536 career goals. Florida teams tonight, off. Both Tampa Bay and the flying Jessica Blaylocks down south. Neither one of the two in action. one nothing Washington. No, Ovechkin did not score, and he did not have an assist. Okay. Johansson with the goal. Love uh, NHL on fly. You ever watch that late night? Can't say I do. Hockey highlights? I'm more of a NBA. You got to choose. In right. this this time of year, are you an NBA fan or are you an NHL fan? I'm a total NHL fan. It's not even close. Not even in the same stratosphere. Now I do get into, you know, playoff basketball. Right. Celtics are playing some good ball. The best record in the NBA. But big win on Christmas Day for them. Hockey is uh, it's my favorite sport. Does hockey play on Christmas? No. Okay. Christmas Eve, or they get the three days off. They get the new. Oh wow! I know they have the New Year's outside day game. Can't remember if they had a couple of games on New Year's Eve. Uh, oh, Christmas Eve. Excuse me. Let me look back on that because I know our listeners are no, dying to know. No Christmas Eve games. Yeah, they had three days off. Hey, a lot of people have asked me about this flex about the chance of the Jags moving. I I really have no idea. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. I, I don't know. It would be very cool to have that on a Sunday night, with the whole nation watching with a win and you're in. And obviously for Jacksonville, it's not only a win and you're in, it's a win and you host. And right now it would be Baltimore. Uh, did you did you hear the Joe Buck, Scott Van Pelt thing? I'm it, halfway through it. Let's Should throw we just it on. Play it yeah, let's play it. I mean, happens. people made a really big deal about this. It, it was a little uncomfortable. So this is post-game Monday Night Football, and they always yeah. have the announcers talk to Scott Van Pelt on SportsCenter. That's it. I get one question. That's all. Yeah, you know, I just did, I, I decided tonight, Joe, that I wanted to talk to, to Troy more than you. I know, but I have to awkwardly stand here while he answers right, questions. You want, me to, you want me to block yeah. him out here? Ask me another yeah. one. Come on. Yeah, but we'll it was warmer tonight. It was warmer tonight, wasn't it? Huh? Warmer? It sure was. 
Yep, inside. In, inside, yeah, that's good. Thank you. That was you my go. second question. Yes. Did you have a good Christmas, it was warmer inside. Was it a nice Christmas? I had a good Christmas. Yeah, little boys had a nice Christmas. I appreciate it. One got a drum set, one got a guitar. That's why I'm happy I'm in Indianapolis tonight. Uh, yeah, but you, <laughs> you got that you got that private jet money, buddy. You'll get home by by you'll be home by eleven. Eleven local. Yeah, but don't don't tell Michelle that. I'm gonna milk this for another <laughs> yeah, couple right. of days. That's exactly right. This yeah. is really getting that awkward. And I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna segue out of it. Boys, happy new year. <laughs> it's your show. It's your show. Yeah, it's thought it you is. wanted ratings. Uh, I I find no problem. With no, I think they're just both people bored. I thought it was sarcasm. Around. Yeah, it, Joe Buck has that like dry sarcastic humor, and Scott Van Pelt sort of does too. I just thought they were just playing around. I mean, they might not like each other. Who cares? I I I really I thought it would be a lot worse. Well, that'd be the better story if it did come out that one side didn't like each other because people love you know what they what, love that. Of stuff. Of course, you know what comment was like. Oh, maybe I could see that was sort of personal is that you have the private jet money. You can be home at 11. Yeah. But the rest of it to me was fine. Yeah. I love it. Me too. My brother, by the way, is the uh, director on that sports center. Won oh, really? Won an Emmy Award. Yep. Well, that's that's very, very cool. Yeah. I um. I have to text him about that tonight. Yeah. He, he Actually, I'll yeah. get some inside info tomorrow. Get some dirt. Yeah. Get some dirt. And if not let's lie and say we have <laughs> yeah. some dirt just uh, try to they bring a little bit of attention to the program scott van pelt has a picture on his wall of mm-hmm. joe buck crossed out i'll definitely text yes tomorrow three to six all right different hours for us on wednesday look forward to talking with you then that'll be three to say you'll actually be off tomorrow correct yes so jj gibby will be in and uh, Frank Hayes and Lauren are off uh, the remainder of the week. So I'll I'm actually do, uh, vacationing with the three of them. So ah, yeah. yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that'll be tomorrow from uh, 3 until 6. And then I'm off Thursday back with you Friday night as well. That's going to do it. Hacker is coming up next. I don't check the text line. Now if the show is over, if you want to get a hold of me, please do so. Blue1010XL on Twitter. For JJ, my name is Rick Blue. We'll talk with you tomorrow, 3 until 6.